everybody, and welcome to the 11th Shen podcast. Today, we are going to be looking at two King Hu films that Richard alerted me to. They were both uh, playing on Mubi. First one was Dragon Inn uh, from 1967, and the second one was uh, A Touch of Zen uh, from 1971. Uh, so both directed by King Hu, uh, both very influential Taiwanese film. One cited in Dust in the Wind, you remember that scene where they return back to their village after working in Taipei and, you know, they're complaining, oh, my boss beat me so badly that I was, was in the hospital and they're in this open air cinema and they're watching this Kung Fu film. Yeah, I think uh, the one that they're watching is Dragon Inn, which actually would suit the period, yeah? And it's also used in uh, Goodbye Dragon Inn, where it's a cinema that's about to close down and it's screening Dragon Inn. Well, I must say, you know, I can't imagine actually being in a cinema. So I think both Richard and I agreed that we had a little bit of trouble watching this. You know, not for any... They're both very beautiful uh, and they're very uh, cinematically exciting to watch, right? But they are also spectacular, big screen. You know, I think they're really... I see Sergio Leone as a huge influence on this type of cinema. And the not being immersed in it often meant, you know, particularly in A Touch of Zen where you're on your second hour, right? That you're, you know, you're looking at your phone or you're being slightly distracted, right? And you lose sense of it. And yet you suspect that really there are films you shouldn't lose sense of it, right? That... Like that every moment is imbued with meaning, really, and with significance, right? So I think this is going to be like a kind of, you know, a general conversation just to indicate that this is a context for Hu Shen, right? That this is also Taiwanese cinema, yeah, that is a precursor to the Taiwanese new wave, and, and that is magnificent, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think the you know they're, they're spectacular films. They're they're visually amazing. The, the action sequences are amazing. They're very sophisticated, big budget for you know, relatively big big budget films. Um, but I think they do need to be seen on a big screen. And um, I, I think you know if I had the opportunity to see them on a big screen, I, I, I would certainly have a go. I think of the of the two, I prefer Touch of Zen. Yes. To, to Dragon Inn. Which is the, the longer one. <laughs> it's three, like, yeah, it's like three hours long. Um, so that like, already like, says something about these films, that you, prefer, you, you would take the opportunity to see the longer one. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's just a more interesting film. I, th- I thought the, the structure of it was, was, was much better. The, effectively, you, the first hour of it, you see it through, through the eyes of this kind of a bystander. It's just a guy who, who's a portrait artist, and there's all this, this plot going on in his town. And he's not really aware of what it is, and you only see it through his eyes, and that's quite quite an interesting way of doing of doing it. But I felt I found with both of the films, I, I really enjoyed the setup. I really enjoyed the, you know, watching how this how the plot was going to click into gear. But then when the plot actually kicked into gear, and it's like oh, they're just having another fight, I just, and the fight looks amazing. It's like oh, another fight and another fight. You see, I loved that. I loved all the fights. Actually, you know, there was a period about I don't know maybe when the films came out, so. At the end of the 90s, the early 2000s, when Ang Lee's uh, Crouching uh, Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and then The House of Flying Daggers came out, and then Hero, right? You know, and I thought they were all amazing and beautiful. And, you know, and this is clearly an inspiration for them, right? Yeah, Uh, and and of course, there's Ho Shao Shen's The Assassin, clearly a 
development from this genre. Yes. Uh, so I'm I'm sorry that I hadn't seen these films, you know, when I was uh, teaching the House of Flying Daggers because I think, you know, it would have made for for better and more informed teaching. They, they you know, I'd never heard of them. They didn't seem to be available. But what I love about uh, um, these films, uh, and actually particularly um, Dragon Inn, is that it feels to me almost like an exercise in pure cinema. So, you know, what you're complaining about, which is fight after fight after fight, <laughs> right? Which is really what it is about, right? Like, you know, they arrive at the Dragon Inn and, you know, kind of people are out to get them and there is some subterfuge about who's who, you know, and, and some things that are you're trying to hide and not to reveal. But, you know, mostly it is all about the fights, yeah? And how the fights take place and how they're staged and how to make them entertaining and how to create speed and, you know, action, right? I mean, you know, if if Pauline Kael said that, you know, her idea of cinema was like that Italian poster that said, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, this is this is just like not even kiss kiss and not even bang bang. It's just like punch punch, right? Like or <laughs> you know, a sword here, a punch there, a kick there, right? You know, how to make something meaningful and entertaining and gripping and suspenseful out of, you know, an hour and a half of that, right? I yeah, mean yeah. I think it's quite brilliant really. And it's yeah. amazing to look at, right? Like when I said earlier that it's it's very Leone esque is because in both of these films, landscape is so important, right? You know, and it's the figure in the landscape, yeah, or the face in the landscape. So even though it's widescreen cinema, often a face will dominate, right? Like, you know, like a whole kind of part of the screen or, yeah. So it's a film that's both really attenuated to faces, you know, and expression, but also to landscape and, you know, and the interplay between one and the other. I did find it incredibly accomplished and beautiful. Mark Cousins talks about this, about a touch of Zen in his story of cinema. He says it's one of the most beautiful films ever made. What he talks about is that it develops in different ways. So it starts off as a realistic portrayal of, of village life. So, yes, yeah, as I said, it's just this guy wandering around, pottering around, living with his mother, trying to understand what's going on. Then it turns into kind of a ghost story where there's kind of, you know, some mysterious goings on in this in this castle, and then it turns into this epic battle in 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 the forest. So it's kind of in these three three sections and almost three different different genres. I agree with that and see where it's coming. I would articulate it a bit differently. So if Dragons Inn to me is really pure action, then A Touch of Zen is about Buddha. <laughs> it is about his spirituality, really, and so. In the first hour of the film, where it really is just this young school teacher who doesn't want to join the court, and you have this village life, and he's interested in art and culture, and he's not too aware of the politics and the violence that surrounds him. You know, uh, that's true. That goes on about the first hour. Then in the second hour, you know, what is described as a ghost story. I mean, a lot of that is a fake ghost story or, a, you know, an inventing a ghost story so as to protect oneself and so on. Right. Uh, and then, you know, the last bit is about gaining spirituality, about connecting with with Buddhism, about Buddha. In fact, the last shots in the film are about God through Buddha. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, these powers 
that the people have and that they develop, you know, you are kind of told that they get it from God in a way, right? So obviously this discipline and practice, but also, you know, the monastic life, yeah, being in touch with a greater power than earthly power, right? And then they also have like this interesting politic where you respect, you know, the, the, the emperor must never be disrespected. But on the other hand, you know, there's a larger morality than that which uh, uh, power uh, upholds. Yeah. So I think all of that, like it had a lot more serious themes and, you know, uh, woven together and so on, which, I mean, I might be misreading, but I certainly didn't feel that Dragon's Inn had any. No, no. You know. But <laughs> one interesting thing I read about Touch of Zen is it was originally released in in Taiwan in, in two parts. So, um, because it's so long. So the first section en ending with the, the first big battle was, was released. And then the second section was released a year later. Um, and the, imp the implication is that the, the second section hadn't actually been filmed when they released the first section. The other implication is he hadn't totally worked out how the thing was going to end when he released the first section. Suddenly noticed that I thought the first section was much more controlled and had this much more kind of, focus on this being observed by bystander and you, that 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 aspect then kind of disappears about halfway through when it was then released internationally it, it was in a cut down a two and a half hour version i think and it was quite really quite a while before that full three hour version was was uh, restored and released one of the things that really fascinated me about both of these films but particularly a touch of zen is the role of women in them yeah, that they they not only have women warriors, yeah, in both of those films. Very unusual in the sixties and seventies, actually. Obviously, more usual now through comic books and other wuxia films and so on. But it is quite striking to have, you know, women as warriors and as highly skilled warriors, and actually, as a much more highly skilled warrior than the male romantic lead. Yeah, I mean, Touch of Zen is interesting in that, in that the male romantic lead is this guy in his 30s who lives with his mother. <laughs> so, you know, and he just, because actually I, I thought, okay, this is going to be the thing. He's going to be like the Clint Eastwood character where you think he's a guy in his 30s who lives with his mother, but actually he's this like super secret assassin. But like, no, he's just... <laughs> He's just this guy in his 30s who lives with his mother. And his mother keeps saying, you should go out and meet a nice girl. You just haven't met the right girl yet. He's like, no, mom. yes, mum, I'm just, I'm just waiting to meet the right girl. Someday I will. And um, and, and, and then he meets the, the, the kind of warrior woman. And, and yeah, he doesn't turn out to be this, this amazing assassin. He just He's just this guy. And, and actually, that's why I found the film so interesting, that most of it is just from the, or the first half of it anyway, is from the perspective of this this kind of uh, of the of almost it's like doing a film from the perspective of the comedy sidekick. I mean, he's not a comedy sidekick, but he you know, he is he is the sidekick, and that effectively you know his mother is worried about you know who's going to carry the the, the 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 family name on, and so clearly they sleep together about halfway through the film, and at some point towards the end of the film he just finds this baby with a note from the the assassin saying, here you go. Yes, you raise him. <laughs> here, here, here's your dynasty, bye. Yeah. And, he, and he heads off with the baby. And and that's quite, that's actually very interesting in terms of the gender roles, isn't it? That, that's, you know, she, you know, he, he is this guy who lives with his mother. She 
you know, she she they fall in love. She's like, well, okay, I'm kind of busy being a ninja assassin nun uh, <laughs> princess whatever i am uh, but, but you know <clears throat> given there's like a nine month break in the narrative i've got time to have a kid so here you go and um, but then he then she she just leaves him with the kid and goes and uh, except I, except it doesn't quite work out that way because she leaves him with a kid tries to go but then realizes she's got to follow him or they will kill the baby they will kill him and the baby so actually you know where you're at in the narrative there's still 45 minutes to go at least, right? <laughs> yeah, and the rest is really fights trying to rescue. You know, the evil general comes in and he seems to have as many powers as they do, right? And then it becomes kind of a fight over morality, right? About good versus evil, you know, the light versus the darkness. <laughs> the imperial power versus the spiritual power, right? So, I mean, I think there are those themes there in that, in that film that um, I didn't quite get in uh, Dragon Man so much. But, you know, they might be there. I just, you know, didn't see them. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I think, you know, Dr Dragon Inn was more of a, presumably, you know, in the context of, of, of the local cinema at that time, was more of a commercial success. Um, and, and as I understand it, you know, he got, Dragon Inn was a, was a massive success. And as a result, he got the funding to make a touch of Zen and then just, which, which was a, a bit of a flop, but although he's now, very highly regarded. So. Yes. Um, anyway, I think in relation to Hu Xiaoshen, what is worth mentioning is that there's this other type of popular Taiwanese cinema that precedes him, which is, you know, a kind of a combination of Sergio Leone or, you know, a Western. Yeah, uh, you know, widescreen spectacle, you know, that focuses on action, right? But that is simultaneously also films about ideas, right? And also films that explore cinema, right? I mean, I think, you know, the way that they depict action, the way they use action, the way that they make action kind of haptic and visceral, you know, all of that is really avant-garde in a way yeah it's kind of uh, uh it's, it's very cutting-edge cinema to me really how this might have influenced hu xiaoshen if at all I, th I mean i think it must have because i think the films are sided yeah i think obviously it's a different kind of cinema uh and actually it's very interesting in the light of our previous podcast on melodrama because hu xiaoshen cinema i mean they're very much films of feeling but in melodrama, like you get what these women feel and want and the barriers against them and how they suffer and so on. Hu Xiaoshan cinema is not voluble like that. Almost nothing is spoken. Yeah, things happen and they happen to people, you know. Um, but also if, uh, um, you know, the last film of his that we saw, Daughter of the Nile, you know, you have a whole female protagonist in which you have no sense of what she wants or feels. You know, you, you get a sense of what she's living through, right? But very little sense of interiority, right? So I think it's interesting, you know, to see these two very different types of cinema as a kind of a context to Hu Xiaoshan, because really it's neither one nor the other. Yeah, he does something completely different. Is there anything that you want to add about the King Hu films? Um, I would just add, so we saw them on Mubi in very nice restorations. They 
um, dropped off movie at the end of May, but they are both available on uh, DVD, on Blu-ray, sorry, and DVD in, in those same restorations. So, uh, well, well, despite despite our reservations, well, well worth a look. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, uh, well, I have no reservations. I think they're both great, actually. And I would be very happily watch them again. And I understand that there are, you know, very uh, choice editions on uh, uh, video to watch them. I think, is it Masters of Cinema or Criterion? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, who've, who've produced Dragon Inn for sure. Uh, so, you know, I definitely plan on seeing them again and I very much recommend them to you. We are thinking aloud about cinema. This has been our 11th podcast on Hu Shen and related Taiwanese cinema. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye. Bye.